0: We're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 4. We're moving right along. We've made it through Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. And now here we are in Romans chapter 4. So we've seen in Romans chapter 1 that the Gentiles are guilty. Ignorance, ignorance is not an excuse. You cannot claim ignorance and uh, get away with it. And then we've seen in Romans chapter 2 and chapter 3 that the Jews are also guilty. So the Gentiles are first guilty, and they claim the ignorance. Then the Jews claim the exemption, and they're also guilty. So basically, in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, what we see at the end of all that is that really just everybody's guilty. <laughs> everybody's guilty. We're all lost, and we all need uh, salvation in the same way for the Gentile and the jew and then we saw an introduction to justification towards the back end romans chapter three so now we're going to get to romans chapter four and the heading that we're going to see we're going to be uh, chapter four verses one through five and the heading for this is justification the testimony of abraham justification the testimony of Abraham. So now what we're going to see from Paul is he began. He gave the introduction to justification. But Paul's not going to tell you something and then not back it up with scripture. Amen. That's a good thing that should happen more often for ministers. If you're going to tell the body something, you better be able to back it up in scripture. If you're going to teach something, you better be able to back it up in Scripture. If you're going to proclaim something, even in a one-on-one conversation with somebody, you better be able to back it up with Scripture. If you cannot, then what you are saying, whether you believe it or not, is false doctrine. And you can't back it up, then it's just in your, it's a vain imagination from your own mind, and it's, it's just, it's not scriptural. And it's not the truth. So Paul gives the introduction of justification by faith. And then he's going to show it in scripture. And that's what we're going to get into. We're going to see the evidence from scripture that, hey, Paul didn't just make it up. (laughs) That there's proof of it. And uh, in verses 1 through 5, it's Abraham. And then after that, we'll we'll get to David. Abraham is a type of the the sinner, basically, because Abraham, you know, wasn't born a Jew, he was a Gentile. <laughs> Abraham is really the father of, of the Jews. He, his family was uh, idol makers, they were in the idol making business. So he was a sinner pulled, pulled out, and from Abraham, the Jewish line is now we have Jews basically. So, but so Abraham is a type of the sinner, and David a type of the saint. Now uh, that'll be important when we get there, but right now we're in right. <laughs> so go ahead and read it and then we'll we'll get after it. Chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. For what says the scripture Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him who works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. For to him who works not, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Okay, chapter four, justification, the testimony of Abraham, verses one through five, Uh, Dad, go ahead. Verse 1. What shall we say then? This presents Paul as having stated his case that the Old Testament teaches that God justifies the sinner on the faith principle as opposed to the merit principle. The Holy Spirit will now bring forward Abraham in verses 1 through 5, then David in verses 6 through 8 as illustrating this truth. Well, okay, Paul wrote this. Paul did write it, but it's really the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. So, in, in essence, um, God wrote it himself. <laughs> he just used Paul as the instrument to write what we see here and what we read. So, it's really the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So, the, the, uh, God's basically going to bring Abraham forth as an example and then David forth as an example to justification uh, by faith and not of works. Okay, so both men were ungodly by nature, but both had a divine righteousness reckoned to them by faith and not works. Abraham and David were both ungodly. They they were both sinners. (laughs) Sometimes we read Bible characters and we put them in a light as if they are like (laughs) the Holy Grail. (laughs) Like, oh, Abraham, well, that's easy. I mean, you know, Abraham was, Abraham was Abraham. So, of course, he had this great faith. I don't know. Abraham was a man just like us. He was sinful, had a sin nature just like us. I mean, Abraham was no different than us. So one of the things that scripture brings out, and it's, a, it's wonderful, It it's talking about, uh, I think it's Elijah. He said that he was he was a man of like passions as we as we are, basically. He had all the same... He went through all the same things. Feels all the same feelings. All that stuff. Because he's just a man. Abraham and David, both just men. Men of faith, which is the most important thing. But they were still just men. They had a sin nature. They were ungodly. All of that. Okay,
1: What shall we say then that Abraham, our father...
0: Abraham was given a great role in the plan of God, but could not merit salvation, even though he was the spiritual father of all believers.
2: Abraham, however great of a role and position
0: that God gave him in the the plan of salvation, he is the father of the Jewish race. I mean, that's pretty pretty big. it's It's pretty special. He is the father of the Jewish race and it is through his line that the Messiah would come. So that's a pretty big role. I don't know about you, but the Messiah didn't come through uh, the Kranzer line. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a big role in the plan of God. But yet, even though his great role in the plan of God... He didn't merit salvation from works. He had to get it the same way. You, you got to get it. <laughs> yeah. No different. By faith. The, the next part. Dad.
1: As pertaining to the flesh at found.
0: The definition for flesh. Uh, one of the most important things to know when you see the word flesh in scripture. It has a lot of different meanings. So, how can you tell? You can tell by the context of that you find it in. Whatever the con- uh, flesh can pertain to, uh, our, just our human, our human bodies, because they are flesh. Uh, flesh can pertain to your own efforts, your own willpower. It can pertain to even, even just the body of an animal. It can. It's a lot of different things it's in nature pertain to that too. It's a lot of different things that it pertains to, so it's important to read it, read that word flesh in context of what's written around it to understand um what what the what's trying to be said. So in this context uh, that okay so the word flesh in this context is referring to natural ability and strength or the easier way to just kind of sum it all up is our own ability and strength. So the natural ability and strength, our own ability and strength—that is really what the word "flesh" in this context is pertaining to. It doesn't mean that in every context that you see the word "flesh" in Scripture, it's going to mean it, it's going to mean that. It depends on the context. But right here, that's what it's talking about: our natural ability. Our own ability and strength. The answer to that question is nothing. The only thing that can be found in the flesh is failure. The only thing that can be found in your own effort, your own ability, your own strength is failure. Not not success, not victory, but failure. Okay, verse 2. Go ahead.
1: For if Abraham were justified by works,
0: this presents a moot point, for it was something which could not be. Paul uses this statement to make a point. The Jews viewed works as the meritorious source of salvation, which of course God will not accept. The Jews really viewed salvation by works. I mean merit that you... The more good you did, and the less bad you did. Or if you just did certain things. If you just did certain things, then, and they viewed it that way. Obviously, they boasted in the fact that they were given the law by God. So they held stock in that. And I said it before, and it holds true. Whatever it is that you boast in, that's what your faith is in. Whether you want to admit it or not, you can try to cover it up all you want. But whatever you boast in and whatever you, whatever your emphasis is, that that's what your faith is in. Um, one of the things, and, and you may have noticed it if, um, if you've listened to the message of the cross any extended amount of time. But if I'm talking to someone and the truth is, If I've talked, having a conversation with someone and I just don't talk too much and I do a whole lot of listening. First of all, you can find out a lot if you just listen more than you talk. (laughs) And if you listen to someone long enough and you just let them talk and ramble, you'll find out what their object of faith is. Because that's what they're going to go to. That's what they're going to boast in and that's what their emphasis will be on. That can be anything You want it to be if if someone's a catholic then like my my good friend he is he's catholic they're hardcore catholic well he he the conversation goes long enough and it's about what they do and the catholic church i don't have to say too much all i have to do is just listen long enough and he'll basically tell on himself and the truth is you'll tell on your own self too if someone lets you talk long enough what will be revealed is what your object of faith is because it'll be what you boast in and it'll be what you emphasize. Whatever you have the greatest emphasis on, that's what what your faith is going to be in. So the Jews put an emphasis on the fact that they were Jewish (laughs) and the law, that they had received the law. And then the the doing of it or the keeping of it—that was their—that was their emphasis more than anything else. That was their emphasis, and that's what their faith was in. Uh, the next part, Dad.
1: He has whereof to glory, but not
0: before God. Means to boast uh, when you make works. The source of salvation, the flesh is glorified, but if faith. In Christ is the source then God is glorified. I'm gonna say it again because it's a, I think it's a very powerful when you make works the source of salvation what you do or don't do the flesh is glorified because you can boast in it you'll boast about what you did or didn't do and your flesh is glorified it's all about you even though we don't say it, it's still all about us. The focus is self. I did this or I didn't do this. I I did do this and I didn't do this. Or just flat out, I did this and let's just ignore the, the bad. Let's just focus on the good. But that's it, it's still self. Self is the focus. And the flesh is what is going to be glorified. But if faith in Christ is the source of salvation, then God is glorified and there is nothing for you to boast in except what Christ has done. God's approval alone is the one that matters. God will not accept such and cannot accept it. If we please all men, and not God, it is of no consequence at all. If we please God and displease all men, we haven't hurt ourselves at all." You can have have the whole world love you and God reject you. And you can have the whole world hate you (laughs) and God accept you. And the truth is, the only one that matters is God. If Abraham was justified by what he did, then he should have boasted. But Abraham didn't boast. Verse 3. Man, we're cruising. This is going to be good. Verse 3.
1: <laughs> for what says the scripture?
0: This proclaims scripture and its proper interpretation as the foundation for all things which pertain to life life. And godliness. So just like I said at the beginning. Paul goes to scripture. He's going to bring a point out. And then he's going to show it in scripture. And he's using Abraham and David to show it. But it always goes back to scripture. And so scripture. And it's important. It's important. To, it's scripture and it's proper interpretation. Because you can misinterpret scripture. And you don't have anything to stand on. It's it's scripture, but it has to be interpreted properly, and if it's not interpreted through the lens of Christ and the cross, then it's not interpreted properly, and you have, you've misunderstood the scriptures, and I mean, we see that a lot in in just the church world. There's just a twisting of scriptures, it's a misunderstanding of a scripture, whether we take it out of context or whatever, or we just twist it to fit whatever we believe. you, you have you can use the scripture all day, but you don't have the authority of God behind it because it's not his, it's yours because you've twisted it. Notice that Paul resorted to the word of God which the Jews claimed to believe and that above all he referred to Abraham in whom they glory as their spiritual father. And he showed that the head of the race himself was justified not by works, but by faith. They were left with no ground whatsoever on which to stand. So in a nutshell, Paul uh, really is really God speaking through Paul, but just chopped their whole belief system up big time and just revealed it for what it really was. You, You don't have anything to stand on. What well, you glory and boast in, you glory in all these different things, but they hold no weight with God. And he uses the very thing that they said they believed the scriptures. So he takes them to the scriptures. Okay, you believe the scriptures, then let's go to the scriptures. <laughs> and then he said, okay, well, you hold Abraham to such high esteem. That's fine. Let's look at Abraham. And then showed, oh, see, even the one that you hold to high esteem and the scriptures say that it was by faith not works and their whole system was built on works so it just totally just chopped the foundation of what they were standing on right out from underneath and there wasn't, there's not much to say at that point um, I heard a minister and he said that that one of the things that he always asked someone is are you a bible believer and if they say yes then uh and this is in the course of the conversation. Not He doesn't start the conversation. Most of the time, they start the conversation, and then he asks, are you a Bible believer? And if they say yes, then they discuss uh, scripture. He did it with, uh, it was, he, he, the story that he told was that uh, a Catholic, I think it was a Catholic, somebody was Catholic, I don't, I don't know if they were higher, but it doesn't matter. Um, they, he sat down and wanted to talk to him, and he said, okay, well, I mean, if you're going to start the conversation, then that's okay, we'll talk. <laughs> and he asked them that question, are you a Bible believer? And yes, I am. And then they began to discuss certain things, and what happened was the Bible obviously would have contradicted something that they believed, that they believe the Catholics believe. And uh, then that's where the... So what what happened was, what got revealed was you're really not a Bible believer. Even though you say you are with your mouth, you really aren't. Because here's scripture that totally goes against what you believe, what you've been taught. But yet, you won't go with this, you'll stand on what you've been taught. And that's... it's Just because you say something with your mouth... Doesn't mean that it's a reality in your heart. Uh, and that and that can happen with all of us. So just to be honest, that can happen with all of us. So I can say things with my mouth. But yet in my heart, it's really not reality. And it's just lip service. And most of the time the Lord will reveal that to me. <laughs> that Okay, yeah, you're saying all the words. But in your heart, it's not there. Just because you say it doesn't mean. That it's there.
1: Yeah, I was looking at that, thinking about that other statement too, along with what we're talking about here, where it says, uh, he will, he had, if he, Abraham was justified by works, he has, where of the glory, but not for God. That no, no system mm-hmm. of works, and whatever it looks like, whatever you're talking about, It gives you opportunity to glory before God. Yet, it is one of the things that we will hold on to the most because the only place you can glory is in your flesh, is in yourself. And even sometimes convince yourself that it is before God, even though it is not, even though it is not something that he set up. And so whenever you're confronted, even with the scripture, you reject it. Because it's like, no matter what, I've seen that before, you know, whether it's Catholicism or whether it's Pentecostals who, or who, you know, who uh, they believe a certain thing, but then when you confront them, say, that's not that's not even scriptural, what you're doing or what you're believing here. They will, they will reject that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Yeah. Why, why, why are you coming against this? this I, I've experienced this. Mm-hmm. But the, ex, the, the experience doesn't necessarily mean, that it is biblical, right? And and so, but it, but I think it's because it's something that we are glorying in the flesh in, and it's, that's hard to let go because the flesh never wants to be wrong. It's like, no, what, what are you talking about? If that's true, then I missed it. So the scripture must be wrong here. Either I'm going to outright reject the scripture, or I'm going to twist it and say no. It's got, it's got to be something else. Yeah, you know?
0: the flesh because it's all of us. Uh, it just doesn't die easy. <laughs> the flesh does not die easy. It, it, it just won't. And pride goes right. It's like they go hand in hand, man. Those two just skip hand in hand. It seems like, because just like you said, let somebody tell you that you're wrong. Even if they have the word of God to back it up and you'll, you'll fight. You'll fight. You might not physically fight in your heart, you going to fight. Naaman did. Naaman, did. <laughs> Naaman got to uh, quite, quite an offense <laughs> from what he was told to do. And and I think it was Naaman's it was his servant that basically said
3: the little girl, the little, the little Hebrew servant that came out of the captivity. And she said, my father, if the Prophet would have bid you do some great thing when yeah. you've done it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Some, yeah, astronomical thing. you would have said, said, oh.
3: You. And wasn't it something that his servants felt comfortable enough to even speak to? This was a yeah. man of war.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't it was a big, just to go dip seven times. Yeah, I suppose. And it, it was, that offended them though. And the, the truth is, is our flesh gets, a, the message of the cross will offend your flesh. That's just, there's no, I'd love to tell you that it's not going to happen. And that's for all of us. Because last time I checked, we all have the flesh. It's a part of us. Uh, And it's going to get offended eventually. Because the message of the cross is, and what it does is, the, the reason why is because the message of the cross points out your wrong direction. Your error and your wrong direction, your wrong object of faith, your wrong belief system, it points all of it out. And, boy, we don't like that. Do not tell me that I'm wrong. Don't tell me that I haven't been right. Don't tell me I don't know how to live for God. Don't tell me that I don't know how to successfully travel through the sanctification process. Don't, tell, don't me. tell
3: me that
0: I've been deceived. Yeah don't, yeah, don't tell me that I've been deceived. I have not been deceived. Okay, well, go look up the word deceived. And you're exhibiting everything that you would hear from someone who's been deceived. Because if you're deceived, you don't know that you don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. So it, it, it's an offense. Man, it is. The cross is an offense to the flesh. And it just... Man, we were just, we're just prideful, to be honest, and that's all of us. Nobody's exempt from that. Don't tell me. (laughs) Don't tell me that I'm wrong. But the, and and that's the thing, Um, it's not, it's not you that the person's mad at. You're just the one in front of them. (laughs) You're the messenger. You're the messenger. But it's the word. The prophets were just messengers, but they, but they were killed. Uh, only because they couldn't kill God. But if they could, they would have. And they finally could, and they did. And they
3: did. Right. Jesus. Right.
0: Okay, let's see. Oh, the next part. Verse 3. Okay, Abraham believed God and was counted
1: unto him for
0: righteousness. Uh, this presents the very heart of the gospel. Genesis 15.6 is where this uh, comes from. If this verse is properly understood, then most else in scripture will also be understood. Salvation was given to Abraham long before the law or even circumcision. Abraham was alive before the The law of Moses came before circumcision. Abraham was already (laughs) there. If circumcision and the law of Moses were required. In order to be saved as many claimed. Then Abraham was not saved. Which is a direct contradiction of the word of God. Because Abraham was before the law of Moses. The only requirement of Abraham Even as it has always been the only requirement is that he believe God. That word believe uh, in the Greek is a word I cannot say. So I'm just going to spell it. P-I-S-T-I-K-O-S. And it means to trust a person or thing. In this case... Christ, to trust a person or thing, in this case, Christ, it refers to having reliance upon Christ for salvation. That word it refers to faith. So it says Abraham believed God and it was counted. That word it right there refers to faith. It was not the act of believing which was reckoned to Abraham as a righteous act or on the account of which perfect righteousness was laid to his charge, but that the fact of his trusting God to perform his promise introduced him into the blessing promised. Abraham's faith was the act of placing himself in such an attitude of trust and tr- of trust in and acceptance of God's blessings that made it possible for God to bestow righteousness upon him. It can be read like this it helps kinda put a picture on it to kinda understand. It could be described as the outstretched hand of a drowning man. That makes it possible for the lifeguard to save him. That's basically the idea of Abraham's faith. It was just Abraham drowning and Abraham stuck a hand up. And that's what allowed God to save him. That hand coming up was just faith. The act of faith on the sinner's part is not of merit, but only the efficient medium through which God is able to save him. The truth is... And this is where, this is where uh, honestly, knowing the message of the cross, understanding the message of the cross, understanding the way God works and how the Holy Spirit works is vitally important. And discernment is vitally important because you, because you can make faith a work. To give us the slightest ability and chance. We will turn something into works. Mm-hmm. Even faith will turn it into works. Well, I believe God. Okay, so, I believed, I had faith, I believed God that he was going to take care of this financial thing, and he did. So, God moved because you had faith. What happened? I'm boasting in what? My faith. My boast is in my faith. right? Not his grace. My faith. You, you can turn even faith into works. That, that's how, that's how... That's how wicked our hearts are, and that's how that's how deceitful, deceitful the flesh is. The flesh, well, anything, anything, or even faith. Abraham couldn't claim that. There's no work, and if you are drowning, there is no work in sticking your hand up, and somebody saving you. You didn't do anything but stick a hand up. You were doomed. If even if you stuck a hand up, if if nobody grabbed hold of that hand, you still drown.
1: But I stuck my hand up further. Oh, oh. Wait. Further. <laughs> it's, foolish, it's foolishness
0: the way that... Because we will. We'll turn anything into works. Even, even, even just having faith. We'll turn that into a word. And we'll boast in the strength of our faith. If you had faith like I had faith. If you believe like I believe. Then God would have done this. That, that's you just turn faith into words and God's not in that sorry God's not in that even, I don't care what happened in your outward in your life here on this earth even if a financial need did happen to get met if you if you act like that God's not in that because scriptures because scriptures not an experience but scripture says he, he can he' he's, he doesn't work on a works basis. You won't get anything from God by merit, but only by grace. So, well, because I believe God moved, you've turned your faith into works. And if, so it didn't happen for somebody else because they didn't believe like you. If they just had faith like you, then, then God would move for them. I mean, we don't ever really say we don't say it, but that's the attitude of our heart. The it is the outstretched hand of faith of a sinner reaching out for salvation, which God grasps in his own to lift him out of the mire of sin and place him upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Most modern faith teachings turn faith into works, which is you know, kind of what we just talked about. It, faith, they just turn faith into works. Mm-hmm. That word counted in the Greek is legizomai. I heard that Bible college, So I can kind of slide that out there. And if it isn't right, it's not what my professor says. (laughs) (laughs) It's spelled L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. It means to put down to one's account. So that word counted means to put down to one's account. God put to Abraham's account and every other believing sinner, you, me, God put it to our account, actually placed, actually placed on deposit for him or credited to him righteousness. So In your spiritual bank account. Sounds weird. But in your spiritual bank account. When you exhibited faith in Christ and what he's done for you at the cross. Then what happened is God deposited into your spiritual account righteousness. Before it wasn't there. Now you have it. You didn't work for it, all you did was believe in what who Christ is and what he's done for you. And God deposited into your account his own righteousness, which is what we need. And we don't have. And he gave it to you freely because of faith, not work. In God's mind, it was a legal as well as spiritual act. Everything God does is legal. You think like a court of law type legal. He will he's not gonna do anything outside of his of his laws, the way he set it up to work. Everything he does is legal. So your rede- your whole redemption was a legal work. As if done as like in a court of law, legal, it's a legal work. If someone gets tried for something, they can't be retried, that's double jeopardy. Well, why? Because it's legally done. It's a legal thing. Same idea. It's, it's, everything is done legally. That's why God doesn't just work in just some arbitrary way. I mean, He He has it set up. I, I know that you know. I've heard it said you can't put God in a box, and that's true. Of God God can do what He wants to do, but the thing is, He has a He has a way that He set things up to work, and He's not going to work outside of that. And what happens is sometimes we just say, well, we can't put God in a box. And then we'll just hook, line, sinker on anything. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, and, and it's a it's a false humility, a false uh, humble, uh, uh, well, same thing, false humility. And it's, it's, it's a show of wisdom, knowledge, and spirituality. Oh, well, well no, you know what? God's so great, though. And he can do, you know, he can just do, Things however he wants to. And he can. You're right. But he's also just. Righteous. Holy. And he's not going to depart from the way. He's not going to break his own rule. If he did that he wouldn't be God. And he's not righteous if he did that. So yes you can't put God in a box. But in a sense he put himself in one. That he's only going to work this way. And no other way. And it's our job to find out what that way is and line up with it. The price was paid at Calvary, but in the mind of God, it had been done. Therefore, faith could legally claim the benefits without doing violence to the justice of God. Because remember, Abraham um, Abraham was long before the cross of Calvary. But yet, his faith, it was still accredited to him as righteousness. Well, what was it? How could that be? Because in the mind of God, the cross said it was a done deal. It was going to happen. It said, Peter, I think it's Peter. Peter said before the foundations of the world. Yeah. It was, it was set in stone. It was going to happen. It was set in stone. It was going to ha- The cross was going to happen. The price was going to be paid and Abraham simply grabbed a hold by faith yes. that the redeemer was going to come and he is going to pay the price and I believe that
3: that's, that's why wow. that Jesus said Abraham rejoiced to see my
0: day yeah. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced yes. 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 that's what Yeah, that's exactly what happened that's exactly what happened Abraham a lot, of times, a lot of times it gets a little it gets twisted we focus on well Abraham just believed God that he was going to have a son now wrong look that was just one of the things that had to happen because the promise given to Abraham was that the Messiah was going to come through his line well without a without a son you don't have a line so it just kind of goes hand in hand but he wasn't just believing for a son he was believing that the Messiah is going to come through my life right. the redeemed of the world is going to come through my line, and in order for that to happen, I've got to have the son. Because right now I don't. But a lot of times, what happens is, and I've even heard it preached about that: believe, you know, believe, believe for the promises of God, and it's true. Believe for the promises of God, but it's made more about Abraham believing for a son. Abraham, while well, they were barren, and he was believing God. God told him he's going to have a son. He believed for a son. No, no. no. it's faith—if that—that type of faith doesn't get you righteousness, because it's only faith in yeah, the finished work of Calvary. That's going—it's faith in Christ and what He's done—that's going to give you that God can impute righteousness to you. If the faith was only just Abraham to have a son, then sin is never paid for. Then he
3: was tested to see whether or not uh, the son is more valuable to him yeah.
0: Which one is more important, Abraham? Which one's more important to you? Because remember, after the test, what he told Abraham, "I, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward." It's me, Abraham. It's me. What's more important to you? That's right. Let's see. Let's. Let's. I went to this Genesis
3: six. Fifteen six and the expositor says
0: this is one of the single most important scriptures in the entirety of the Word of God. Yeah, if you under if you understand that passage, then you're going to understand a whole lot about um, Scripture.
2: Yeah, it's true.
0: It's absolutely true. Righteousness is the is the righteousness of God, which is moral perfection. It is far higher than anything to which man could ever hope to aspire. Uh, that it says accounted unto him. It is a personal thing. No one, no one else's faith can save you. It has to be your own personal faith. Just because my dad believes doesn't mean that I'm that I'm saved. Yeah, I have to have my own personal faith. Okay, verse 4.
1: Now to him who works.
0: Paul is turning the argument around. Explaining the same thing in another way. In order that there may be no mistake. and misunderstanding as to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So basically, Paul gave the example of Abraham. And now Paul is saying the same thing. But in a different way. To make his point very clear. That word worketh. And the Greek is very long, so I'm not even gonna to try to say it. It is I'll spell it K-A-T E R G A Z O M A I. It's long. I like, man, really that many letters for just working? <laughs> Uh, One more time. K A T E R G A Z O M A I. My goodness. (laughs) It means uh, to do that from which something results. In other words, the workman works in order to earn wages. When I get, I work. Updates a week, 40 hours a week. I get paid for those 40 hours. I don't, I'm not working for free and they're not just handing me money. (laughs) I work for it in exchange. That's the idea. I do this. If you do this, Tanner, we're gonna pay you this much per hour. That's, That's kind of the idea. The context of all of this is, and just say this just for a reminder, because sometimes as we travel, you know, we kind of lose the the context. The context of all this is salvation from God. So that's the context of this work. We're talking about working for salvation. Not just you know working. The debt the debt that man owed to God is so astronomical. That it is literally impossible for the sinner to calculate or understand the amount. Therefore, the efforts to earn salvation are shot down before one begins. None of us could pay what we owe. The sin debt that we owe for just our own personal life, we can't pay it. Religion, as it is used biblically refers to man attempting to reach God or some type of spiritual goal and by devising his own means and in whatever capacity. That's bi- that's what religion means biblically. Uh, sometimes even we have a bad habit of getting a definition about something, not even from scripture, just from what kind of the world says and, and how other people view it or whatever. But, Biblically, that's what religion means. Uh, So I guess a good example would be uh, the Tower of Babel. (laughs) Tower of Babel would be a pretty good example. We're going to have our own way to reach God. Mm -hmm. True biblical Christianity is God reaching down to man with his means, which is the very opposite. Okay, that's
1: part of it. See, See, now to him who works is the reward not reckoned of righteousness. Hang on, I gotta turn page here. <laughs> Sorry. Not reckoned of grace, but of debt.
0: Places the situation of works in its rightful posture. That word reward in the Greek is m i s. T H O S. M I S T H O S. And it means dues paid for work or wages. Man, if only all the definitions were just real, just simple. <laughs> when we attempt to earn our salvation in this manner, whether intentionally or or unintentionally. We are in fact offering to God our works, demanding that he pay us and that the payment should be in the realm of salvation. Mm. One of the mo- one of the important things about all of that is whether it's done intentionally or unintentionally. What if the Gentile can't claim ignorance for not knowing God? Are not believing that there's God. They can't claim ignorance for there. We, we can't do the same thing. Once we get saved, we can't claim ignorance or or, or anything. Or, you know about working for salvation. Even if, whether you whether you intentionally are doing that or unintentionally, it, it's not going to matter to God because he can't make an exception. Just because, well, I didn't know. Yeah. If you didn't know something was poison and you drank it, you're still going to die. You're still going to have the consequences of it. Just because you didn't know it was poison doesn't mean, well, it's not deadly now because you didn't know. Like, all of a sudden, the poison the drink was like, oh, well, they didn't know. <laughs> Since they didn't know I'm poisoned, well, I, you know, I can't kill. Because you have to know, you have to, that doesn't work like that. If you drink poison, if you're going to die. Whether you know it is or isn't poison, you're still going to die. The same idea, if you're working for salvation, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you still will not receive salvation. It still works the same. He who embarks upon the course of attempting to earn his salvation has embarked upon an impossible quest. The use of the word debt is that God owes us something because of some certain things we are supposed to have done for him. So because I did this, God owes me. Uh, Now, all this, once again, all this is in the context of salvation, but I'll just give you an example uh, as a minister that can get you, can get you as a minister. And it's the same idea. That whole idea of debt. God, God we would never say it with our mouths. <laughs> but if I pray two hours, and I've got to, man, I got to preach Sunday, and I pray two hours, God will anoint the message more than it'll be more anointed. I have just I'm operating from a mindset of debt. God, I pray two hours. You owe me a heavier anointing. Well, he don't know you nothing. <laughs> he doesn't know you anything. If he's called you, he's going to anoint you. If he started it, he's going to finish it. He's not going to abandon you through it. But I, I, I'll admit it that as a minister, that's just an example that we, we fall into that sometimes. If I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, understand, I'm not knocking prayer at all. We should be praying and seeking God for a word in due season. Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Because I can come up with a message. I can study and come up with a message. But I don't want my message. I want his message. So that's why I pray and seek the Lord. But as far as the anointing goes, that's all of his grace. This In this class, if he anoints me, and if I teach and preach and it's under a heavy anointing, it don't have nothing to do with me. It's the fact that he said, hey, do this. I said, yes, did it. And it was really the class was his idea, his plan, his will. Therefore, he will anoint me. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to strive for it. I don't have to pray just right. Right before we start. (laughs) I I mean, I just, sometimes we'll say say it, but sometimes, man, if I I pray just right. (laughs) If I pray just right. Come on, Pastor, help me out now. -hmm. If I pray just right. I mean, we think like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, if I just pray just right. And then if we preach a message and maybe it didn't go like we think, well, the first thing we think is, I did something wrong. Well, I, you know, I should have prayed more. I should have fasted before. T- it's not going to increase your anointing one bit. It's all of His grace. And that's just an example. I'm just saying that's an example. It's a minister. But like I said, in this context, remember, it's all about salvation. Not, not that. But it's just, a, it's just an e- honestly, it's just a really easy example to show. To really kind of show, oh, okay, a debt mentality that even though we would never say with our mouth, oh, no, absolutely. God doesn't always think, but yet that's how we function. We function as if that's how it works.
1: It's true what you're saying. I've seen it actually happen where somebody who, ne- they weren't necessarily called to preach uh, or to do a certain work, but they want- they wanted to, though. And they were good people and they they were saved. And they thought if I do everything right, if I, if I work hard and if I, you know, do all the things that I'm supposed to do, if my Christian disciplines are in order, and nothing wrong with the Christian disciplines, but in assuming that all, if I do all of that, then I should get the blessing of God to do, do this work. And I've seen people try to, pastor try to do different things and they're not called to that thing it's not that they're not called to anything they're just not called to that the anointing for that work never comes to them and then they 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 leave the work and sometimes the faith mad disillusioned because they think God abandoned them and it wasn't that God abandoned them is because they weren't called to do that. And they were trying to do something that was outside of what God had called them to do. So the anointing to do it never came. They were trusting in their ability to just work hard and make it happen and whatever. I've even heard those words come out, thinking of somebody in particular that I know is a good friend of mine. And he was very upset because he felt like God had blessed another person whom he felt that he was much more, discipline than this guy was. I am a better, uh, overall I do things better and yet God anoints this person and he doesn't anoint me. That's a perfect example of what you're talking about. It was he had the works mindset uh, and misunderstood what the anointing was and the yes. calling was.
0: Well it goes even what we said earlier in the class, uh, you listen to someone who talked long enough. And you'll find out what their object of faith is. And he told on him himself. His object of faith was revealed in that conversation. And you didn't have to badge him about it or nothing. It's right there on the forefront. It's <laughs> like, well, I, you know, I'm I'm more I'm more diligent exactly. than they. Are.
3: Well,
0: that's what he thought. That's what his object of faith was himself. What he does or doesn't do.
1: Right. And there's not, and that, and just like you said, it's not to take away from prayer. It's also not to take away from diligence, because the person who is anointed and called to do it should be diligent in that calling, right. because he is anointed and called. But diligence in itself doesn't gain you the anointing.
0: Yeah. Uh, as far as this class goes, this is something that the Lord said. I didn't just. Me and my dad didn't just get together and say, hey, this would be a good idea. <laughs> um, we both really felt like that the Lord said to do it. And the Lord has moved in it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't speak for you guys. I, I can say from what I've heard from you guys, but that you guys are learning and growing and the Lord's moving. There has been times where I can visibly see it when the Lord really moves and in class. I can really tell that each life is being touched. I mean, when you look around, you guys can't always see it, but when I'm up here, I can see every face. So if I say a certain thing and I look around, it looks like everybody's wanting to tear up. Well, obviously I know, wow, God is moving. <laughs> I, I can't claim any anything. There's nothing to claim. He said, do the class. We said, yes. He asked me to do it. And it's God doing everything. It's God's class. It's not our class. It's not mine. It's not my dad's. It's it's God's class. He's moving. He's anointing. It's his will. We didn't step out and say, bless this, God. Bless it. Mm -hmm. He said, do it. And he's blessing it because if he doesn't say to do it and you just step out there, you, like my dad said, you, you, can't, you can't expect him to bless. That's your plan. That's of the flesh. That's your plan to accomplish whatever it is that you think needs to be accomplished. And that's not God work, working. That's you working. That's, you, that's of the flesh. And then when it flops, because he didn't anoint it, then we're like, Man. and then we get upset because we're either upset at God now or even upset at other people. And we take things personal and this and that, and it all originates from a wrong object of faith Self, It's a self focus. And that I'm just going to tell you that is sin, that's sin.
3: I think this is why we've got to be careful, I mean, not only in our lives, but also in ministry or in the church, that everything that we do, I mean, said that way, everything that we do, we really
0: need to hear from God. We don't just oh, don't Just to do things. Right, absolutely. We really need to hear from God. So. If, if you don't, if you definitely, and we don't say it this way, because it's, it's a strong statement. But if you don't. Death will occur. And and I, I'm going to give. I'll give you scripture. Because if I'm going to say something. I better be able to show you in scripture. <laughs> that if you don't do things the way. If either God initiated it. But even if he does initiate it. If you don't do it the way he. Reveals in scripture to do it. And directs to do it. Then you cannot See, there's a lot more than just saying yes. It's yes, and then how? Yeah. Right. Yes, right. and then how? David, I don't question one bit. David, God placed it in David's heart to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. D- they, uh, that, ha- that had to be the Lord. Bring the ark to Jerusalem, David. David and David, absolutely, I I just, I do, I believe that that was the Lord that placed that on David's heart. The problem is, David didn't find out how to do it. And David just jumped on out there all, raring to go. (laughs) And what happened was, they didn't do it, and they weren't moving the ark in a scriptural manner the way God said to do it. And then the ark was gonna tip over, and Uriah reached out. To, and I'm t- let be clear, we're gonna be clear about this. Ain't nothing wrong with Uriah's heart in this whole. Thing. That was a good. It's a good motive from Uriah to reach out to touch the ark, yeah, to try to keep it from falling over. I wouldn't say that's an evil motive. See, good motive doesn't make something right. In the eyes of God. He, he doesn't work off of good motives. Because there are people all around the world who do things from good motive, but it's not the way God has said to do it. And it's just of the flesh and God cannot accept it. Good motive doesn't make God just turn his a blind eye to something that outright goes against scripture. It doesn't work that way. And that's exactly what you see in this whole scenario. David... I totally believe it was from the Lord to take the ark into Jerusalem, move it to Jerusalem. David didn't find out in scripture how to do it. David sets out to move it. Uriah, from a good heart motive, just doesn't want the ark to tip over and touch the ground. After all, it is the ark. And he reaches out and touches it, and he struck dead. God struck him dead. God Struck Uriah dead.
3: Yeah. He didn't need a human hand. That's right. No. He did yeah. A hand that saved him.
0: A good motive, but an unscriptural way. Yeah. He did something against what God, God's way of working. And he was struck dead. David.
1: Yeah. And that was on David.
0: That's on David. David's responsible for Uriah's death. Yeah. Yeah. And Uriah's also responsible because he reached out to... But, so David doing something in the flesh, even though God probably put it on his heart to do it, but yet he moved in the flesh, didn't find out, God, how do you want me to do it? And what happened is death was the result. And there's, you can't look at it and say, oh, well, this is just evil and bad motives. No, 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 no. Right. There were good motives there, right. right? But yet, not, if it's not done in a scripture way, death will happen. Right. Steal that because God is righteous, just, holy you can't just pick a certain characteristic of God because that's the one that you really need in this certain and no, no, no. you get all all of it.
1: That's a great uh, example because throughout scripture you can see a lot of examples of bad motives. Mm-hmm. you can see a lot of examples of you know nay that, and Abayu for example mm-hmm. uh, Ananias and Sapphira is, is an example of bad motives this. Not a bad motive from either David or Uriah. And yet tragedy happened just simply because they didn't do it God's way. And going back to our statement before about how we respond in the flesh, oftentimes David's response after that was to get mad at God. (laughs) You know, he later, of course, did it the right way. But his first response was to get mad at God.
0: Yeah. And that it's a, honestly, I think it's a, it's a, Tremendous, tremendous passage of scripture. Tremendous lesson to learn. There's many things that you can learn from that. But I know that will preach. I think that, I've got a couple messages. Now. That just, just, just a, just a pure motive doesn't doesn't work with God because you're not gonna have a pure motive all the time. But it's His word. It happens so much, you know.
2: Even in well, in churches, you know, yeah, no, and we decide to do something. We try to
3: put God in our box rather than this is uh, my plan, in God's box. right? You know yeah, what I'm saying, and so
0: yeah, no, that's it. Right. This is our plan, right? It's blessed and blessed. anointed. Yeah. Honestly, if it wasn't God moving, then I probably would have done it. But God called me to preach, and I didn't just. Bang, Get I, oh, God called me to preach? I'm going to start preaching right now. No, 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 no. God didn't let that happen. God called me to preach. And then he put me in a wilderness. Like in, like that arrow, another passage of scripture, the arrow. It's like I was an arrow in the hand of God. He was sanding that arrow down, sanding it down, sanding it down working on the arrow, forming it, shaping it, all of these different things. God's doing that the whole time I'm in Bible college, even though he called me to preach. He placed the call to preach, but yet not to go right away. See, there's a call. And then after the call, there's a time of preparation. And we don't wait for the time of preparation because, well, that's just how we are especially in this generation. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Oh, God said God said this, and I'm gone. And I miss everything. I'm not ready, so what's going to happen is I'm going to go. It's going to be a total flop. I'm going to bust my face. All these things are going to happen. And the thing that we don't say, that we don't admit to, but it is the truth, is that because I did that, death occurred. Right. In my life and in somebody else's life. Right.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Skip the
3: 40 days 40. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, we don't need it.
0: Yeah. Why go into the wilderness? What? What? We don't need that. Oh, yes, you do. Actually, it was so important that Paul had a tremendous knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, the law and everything. He gets saved, gets baptized with the Holy Spirit. He preaches one time and then he goes and it's almost as if Paul disappears for like five years. Before he goes and preaches Christ as the Messiah, then he disappears for like five years or so, and it's actually hard to find him because Barnabas goes to look for him. Is it Barnabas? It sounds weird. I don't remember. Anyway. He goes to look for him in his hometown where Paul would have been. And it said that he was, it wasn't easy to find them, basically. It was hard to find. He had to search him out. Well, now, if someone goes to their hometown, you would think that they would be amongst family, right? It would be pretty easy to find them, right? You just kind of look at the. Well, he obviously wasn't with his family, probably because he got rejected. Because now he's saying that Christ is the Messiah. So Paul's basically like hidden out. for like a 5 year period something like that. I, I, you know, don't quote me exactly, but and then God brings him out. Yeah. And then he starts to preach the cross because God taught him that. Yeah. And see if 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 that never would have, if Paul never goes away for 5 years and disappears seemingly, guess what you don't have? You don't have the message of the cross. You don't have an understanding of the finished work of Calvary. You don't have it. So, there, see the important, just the vital importance that we are led by the Spirit. Just because there's a call doesn't mean that you go right away. There's a time of training. If I wouldn't have went to Bible college for my time of training, guess what I wouldn't be doing? This right here in this class wouldn't exist. It's, impo- it's not. It's not just a good idea. Is what I'm trying to say. It's not just a good idea. It's a must. It's a must. Yeah. Jesus Himself, after being filled with the Spirit, it said that the Spirit drove Him into the wilderness.
1: Right. Right.
0: And then, once you get past that part, of the wilderness, it said He came out in power. He gets basically, a t- basically the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because it said that the Spirit descended upon him uh, in the form of a dove. Then it says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And we know that in the wilderness there were tests. and Charles, Satan came three times. And that's just, to be honest, that's the three we have documented
1: and that was jesus
0: that's jesus yeah perfect 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 never said nothing and you don't think that you won't be driven into a wilderness by god <laughs> and that that's, that's I, I, just for a minister a minister's standpoint i'll say this sometimes sometimes the driving into the wilderness Seems like we're going backwards.
1: Right, right.
0: Like, okay, God, you called me to preach, and now you're going to bring me and tuck me into Bible college away, and just tucked away, and really not doing anything. Feel like my whole life is passing me by. Just what a waste. I'll just tell you some of the things that you feel when you're in Bible college. So if you don't need to go and experience it, I'll just tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My life is passing me by, but this is a waste. What am I even doing here?
1: God's called me to God's preach. God's called me to I preach. To in preach.
0: Urine, and what am I not doing? Preaching. Instead, I'm just sitting here every day. The same thing. Classes every day. Chapel services. Services every day. Nothing's progressing in my life. I'm actually not working for me, the Lord. That's what the Lord told me. Some people work, but the Lord basically told me... Mm-hmm. Just totally focus on that, and I'll just tell you right now, it was so hard because it seemed like my whole life is passing me by. All my friends are just way cooler than I am. <laughs> Everybody has like good jobs. I'm talking about my, you know, old friends that are good jobs. Some are married. All these different things are happening in their life, and where am I? I'm tucked away in Baton Rouge, living in a dorm room. That old I'll just be honest. <laughs> And, and the whole, t- and so for me it's, see, well, this is, this is not, we're not moving forward here we're just kind of now for that's just for me, okay now imagine someone like Paul who was Basically being trained up to be the next uh, high priest. (laughs) And someone really, honestly, who probably would have known more about scripture than anybody else on the face of the earth. And he he gets saved, life totally changed. And then he disappears in the desert for like five years to relearn the scriptures because everything he learned before was not right. And he had to relearn it. Now, there's something that I don't, I, I'll just tell you the truth, that's something I don't have to experience. Cause I got saved and then just went bang, right into Bible college and I wasn't in ministry for a long time. And God didn't think I needed to relearn any scripture because I, did, I was like a blank slate. I'll just, I'll just say that, I was like a blank canvas because I didn't do the church thing I just totally went into the world Mm -hmm. I was like a blank canvas not every minister is a blank canvas Paul wasn't a blank canvas just because somebody doesn't get it right away Paul had to go do some relearning relearning, the problem is a lot of ministers don't want to take time to do the relearning
2: Um, so um I'm So what that means for a person who isn't called to preach, if you're not called to preach, uh, you're pretty much guaranteed to go through your wilderness process. Everyone. No one one gets to get out of that. Um, And the Bible doesn't say, hey, you're going to go through the wilderness and it's going to feel really lonely and not fun. It doesn't say that, but it does tell you that you will go through trials and tribulations. And when you go through these times in your life, whether you're 10 or whether you're 90, you're going to go through these. And some most of us might go through the wilderness a couple of times in our lives you know. move. Um, and the whole purpose of that really, and it might not be Bible college. You it's know, and I talk about that a lot. And I say, I didn't go to Bible college. My wilderness looks so different than his. But it's when we talk about the experiences, when we talk about what what the Lord did in each, it's the exact same. Right. What did He do? He focused my eyes on Christ. He showed me what it was to have pure faith. He showed me how to only lean on Him because I have no one else to lean on. Nothing else is solid. Um, and so I just wanted to point that out that it it won't always look like that and even whether you're called to preach or not you will go through this Mm -hmm. it's actually, he tells us that you will and that it's for our good that it's going to strengthen us Um, and it's going to happen over and over again and and you're right if if Jesus had to do it then why would we be exempt? from it? Actually it's vital to our being able to survive as Christians. It's vital for our faith. It builds it up. And so, just be encouraged if you're going through that season of feeling like you're not doing anything for the Kingdom or you just feel like, okay, Lord, I'm just sitting and sitting and sitting. And the good thing about having your faith on Christ is sometimes He will take you through those trials and if you're focused on Him, you want to realize you're going through it sometimes. I mean, you can have joy through that and then one day you'll just snap out of it and realize, Oh my goodness, I, I got through it and I'm stronger than ever. And I, you know, it's just, it's crazy how He does that through to everybody, you know. Yeah. I think it's
3: weird how you know, you're right, because it's weird how you know when you go into the wilderness because everything seems to be going crazy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But once he focuses you on him, you forget your willingness. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know what I'm saying. And then you come and you think, "How did I get here?" You know, you remember going in. You remember what got you going in to begin with. You know what I'm saying. In the very beginning, you do you feel the effects of it. But I think it's not long after that he's trying to get us focused solely on him and not everything else. You know, yeah. know what I'm saying? When we do that, it's like it all dissolves know i know because this year has been a wilderness year for me you know and that's exactly what's happening and i find the more i focus on him the less i care about everything else mm. yeah you know and what
0: exactly what you're describing yeah that's is the message of the cross in operation yeah Yeah. yeah. that it's been applied yeah, right. yeah. because the every test every trial mm-hmm. wilderness that's it, it, everything is about your faith yes to purify your faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, what you said was, I just totally fixed my eyes on Christ and what he's done for me, basically. And and it's like everything else just yeah. fades away. Well, what is that? That's, that's the message of the cross Same. in application well, right there. Yeah. Now, the, the thing is, is that that's what we're meant to be in every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what happens is we get into a wilderness, bang, that's what we do because we feel like we need to or else we won't survive. If I don't, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And then when we God takes us through that, our faith is built and purified. And then it's great. Then we're like, we come through that. Sometimes we don't even notice it <laughs> until we're long through it. And then because we're just so fixed on Him. And then it's like, oh man, praise God. And some things start to happen. And there's a little, you know, not not really in the wilderness or in the valley. And then before too long, guess what you need again? Another wilderness. Because now you're focused on every, you see the So you're going to go through, you're going to go go through, you're going to go through more than one, okay? And he, it won't be the same as everybody else. He has a a trial, a test, and a wilderness with your name on it specifically for you. He is actually, he has a trial and a test built just for you. He knows what it takes. It's less of me and more of him. He knows. He puts you in the wilderness. Yes, and yes. Knows. The potter knows exactly how much it takes. He knows the amount of heat. The exact amount of heat that has to be applied to get the impurities to come to the top. To burn yes. off the drug. To burn off the drug. He knows the exact amount of heat.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. You don't. Right. Put a little bit of heat, and I'm like, oh, that's too much. <laughs> 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 it's too much. No, 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 no. That's too much. It's, it's too much. It's just like, it's, it's just a little match. He lit, I'm like, man, it's really hot. This is too much. <laughs> he knows the exact amount. The trial and the test is specifically made for you. That's why it affects you the way that it does. Right. And it's a good thing. Yes. Because when you come out the other side. Yes. Your faith will be purified. Right. Yeah. And now you'll really have a testimony. I ain't talking about some little thing. That oh God yes. did this. No, 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 no. Yes. I'm talking about the type of testimony. That when the right song comes on. Man, yeah. When they start to sing. Look what the Lord has yeah. done. Yeah. You won't just go. Praise God. Yeah. Oh No. There's going to be some moving and operation of the Holy Spirit on the inside. And it won't be a, yes, look what the Lord has done. It's going to be a glory to God. Amen. Look what the Lord has done. You might even run. You might jump. They and tell you what you're going to do. When you really start to grow. Sometimes I think there's not as much... Uh, I say passion, and that's probably not the right word, but sometimes, let's just be honest, you can go to a service and it just seems dead, not really much happening. You could be singing a great song, too, <laughs> a song that's totally Christ-centered, and yet people just standing out there. wait a minute how is that possible well that tells me that first of all they're probably not connected to the vine because if so then fruit would be there but if they're dead then that means they're disconnected from the life source which is christ and it's not bearing witness there's no moving and operation of the holy spirit if somebody takes off running the moving and operation of the holy spirit is probably in action Yes, it can be of the flesh, but I don't know that, so hey, I'll just rejoice no matter what. <laughs> but if you just stand there, just I don't have to I don't have to, you know, have a long chit-chat with you to understand that something's not right. And I think that we see a lot of that because for one, we're not connected there, we're not connected to the life source on a daily basis. There's no living water flowing. On, we're, not be, we're not being filled on a daily basis. And also, we're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you grow in the grace of like just what we just talked about, you're going to come through the other side of that test and trial. Let us all come on talk about the goodness of God. <laughs> and you'll be like, mm, praise God. Yes, he is good. Because you just came through for you what felt like hell on earth. And he kept you. You were thrown in the fire and you found that there was another man in there with you. And then when they sing that song about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown in the fire. For you it's not just a ooh, I read that praise God. It's a I experienced that. Yes. And now, see when you experience it, now you can say, "I believe." Yeah. An experiential—that's knowledge. Right. I know. Right. No, no, no. It's not just I read and said that He'll be there. I know He's yeah. going to be there in the fire because I was in one, and guess what? He was there with me. So when the song comes on, I just get, mm. "Oh yes." Mm. <laughs> Got something to sing about. You got a song yeah. in your heart.
3: Yeah, yes. You know, um, and, and before this all happened, I actually thought, you know, God, as as long as things are going in my life, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm good with you and everything. And I learned um, just what Psalms one nineteen, when the Lord brought me, I was reading in 1871, eighteen seventy one we're talking about, He afflicts me because he wants me to learn the statutes. But then in seventy five it says, I know Lord that your judgments are righteous. And that in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. Yes. Mm, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. In faith, that means Lord, even when things are going good, you allow affliction to come. And that's because yes. he's constantly sanctifying us. Yes. So I was deceived to thinking yeah. that if I live right, if everything's going, if I'm good with God, there's gonna be no issues, but that's
0: not what scripture says. Yeah. No. no. I mean, you look at the life of Paul. I would say Paul experienced some yeah. afflictions, and they weren't always light. I don't think getting stoned to death is a light affliction. <laughs> let's let's hurry up and finish. Uh, let's hurry up and finish this. Uh, if you ask the Lord to bless you or to heal you or to do some certain thing on the basis that you have earned it by doing certain good things, etc., then you are functioning on a works mentality. Uh, verse 5.
1: But to him who works not.
0: Refers to the sinner not at all depending on any supposed good works he may have performed, but rather on the mercy and grace of God. The doctrine found in this verse stumbles and offends the carnal religious mind. It declares imputed righteousness received from God by faith and not works. Next part of that
1: but believes on him who justifies the ungodly.
0: The Holy Spirit has already declared all men as guilty, unrighteous, and ungodly, which we've seen in, verse, in, in verses in chapters 1, 2, 3. Okay. In believing on him, even, th- even though the sinner little understands such at the beginning, the idea is that God loaded on Jesus all of our ungodliness, with him suffering its penalty, which we by rights should have suffered, which is death. And then, because of our simple faith in him, he loads on us the godliness of Christ. It can be referred to as the great exchange. He took your sinfulness and he gave you his righteousness. All because you believed. That's it. That's all he did. Uh, Next part.
1: His faith is counted for righteousness
0: presents faith in Christ and the only commodity which God recognizes on which basis he will then impute righteousness to the believing sinner. In the realm of the moral and spiritual, if a sinner does not perform good works in an effort to earn salvation, but instead puts his trust in the God who justifies the ungodly person, that act of faith is put down to his account as the efficient medium through which God bestows a righteous standing upon that person. Abraham, who is the father of us all, didn't gain justification by works, but rather by faith and by faith exclusively. In the eyes of God, the only thing that counts for righteousness is faith in Christ. I'm going to say it again, because and, and I want you to really hear it, not just like, oh yeah, amen, good, but really hear it. In the eyes of God, the only thing that counts for righteousness is faith in Christ. You want to be right with God, then place your faith in Christ. That's the only way. That's the only thing that He counts for righteousness. If you want to be right with I want to be right with God. My faith in Christ is the only way that I can be right with God. And that is it. That is it. Next time we'll be looking at David.